0: So we're starting to eat into the wine cellar. <laughs> but then that's what it's for because I'm so scared now that it might, ooh, I'll have it in 20 years time, it'll just be vinegar. So Exactly.
1: You've yes. just got to, you've got to yes. enjoy this stuff. You yeah. do, you do. <laughs> yes, no point in keeping it. Okay, and so you've sort of touched on this, but how has it impacted your life? Oh, well, first of all, I'm in the space that I love.
0: So every, like I've got this massive outdoor deck, I've made it all beautiful, good furnitures, About three really different spaces out there you can sit and be peaceful or sit with people.
1: You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Well, hello, it's Bernadette back again, and today I have an interview with Mary Benton. So Mary is based in Melbourne, and she's been a chartered accountant for over 30 years. Uh, she originates from the UK and she has her own financial planning practice where with company values that are very closely aligned to ours. She's just finished her first reno and she's also established a strategy for moving forward with her renovating so that she gets what she wants out of life. So Mary's all about having the money to live the life you want and... You know that's one of our alignments but there are many others and this makes for quite an interesting story so I think you'll enjoy it. So welcome Mary. So how are you today? I'm very good thanks Bernadette. How are awesome. you going? Yeah really good and so today we're going to talk about your renovating and property story yeah. and because of your background you're a, an accountant and a financial planner I think you bring a whole new sort of perspective to renovating and property, which I think is really, I think, helpful for the people listening to what you have to say. But before we get into that, can I ask you, what's your renovating and property story? Well, (laughs)
0: I'll tell you how I got into it. I mean, I've always loved property for years. But um, a year ago, almost, um, I split up with my partner, thought, thought we were together for life and we split up. So I was going through a very sad patch. And suddenly, out of nowhere, a Facebook ad popped up to you. And I don't know why, because I never read Facebook. But anyway, I saw this. For some reason, I clicked on it. For some reason, I joined. For some reason, I went to one of your four-hour, whatever they're called, masterclass or whatever. And it was just, it was lovely. I don't even know why I did it. I was depressed at the time, really. And I'm sitting in this room, and you're saying, well, where are you going to start? And I'm sitting there thinking, where will I start? And then you gave us suggestions, because as you say, you worked really with that. So you gave us suggestions, and one of them was, well, look at your own home. Could you renovate your own home? So my instant reaction was, of course not. It's a sort of 10-year-old home. It's pretty nice. There's no way. And then I caught myself saying it and thought, no, don't be negative. Have a think. And I suddenly realized it it was three bedrooms, but the design was originally designed for four bedrooms, but they, for whatever reason, had left one wall out when they built it. So I just started thinking about it, thinking, well, could I renovate mine? So I went home, sort of inspired, still depressed. Looked at my house and went, yeah, I can do this. And the really good thing about it is, obviously, when you renovate your own home and add value to it, there's no tax on any of that. So I worked out I could do my Renault for maybe 20 grand and add maybe 100 grand to the value of the property, which even in the down market has happened because it would be worth at least $100,000 less if I hadn't done the renovation at the moment. And so I started doing that whole Renault and finished that just after Christmas. It was a bit of a slog. I learned lots of lessons. But, um, but when I finished it um, and put it on the market to sell so I can then move out of my own home, buy another one, do it again, um, the market's been really slow. So that's my renovation story. Since then, I've been airbnb it at the same time and having a ball, but that's probably a different story for a different podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's my reno story. So it looks like a show home. The guests that are coming into it just love it. It's just really relaxing and beautiful space because you told me that I could also do styling and I said, I can't, I'm an accountant, there's no way. But somehow <laughs> I managed to do it. <laughs> Went round, um, bought loads of artwork and different things and just experimented and got it coming together. I was, like, so you pretty much held my hand through that whole thing and gave me the confidence to be able to do it, and it's been amazing. It's been very good fun as it happens, yeah, That's, really fun yeah.
1: I know you um, we, you glossed over the Airbnb, but I think that is, it, particularly in this market, is a really important piece. Because, as you say, you know your timing sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through no fault of your own. That you know, like rather than than sell it and not get the um, sell it in a down market and not get it through potential, you're able to keep it and actually generate an income from it. Yeah, I think that's the real power of Airbnb. It gives you more options. It you... does,
0: absolutely. And it, and because it, and this is the way I reasoned it, I've got to keep it looking great anyway for every week for the open for inspections. It's got to be, you know, clean and tidy. It's no different to you Airbnb. You've got to have it clean and tidy between guests. And the only difference is I have to remake beds. But everything else is, is exactly the same. So there's no effort on my part to Airbnb it while I'm waiting. Yeah. And I got bored because after I finished, as you know, when you're renovating yourself, you end up doing lots of painting and hanging pictures and, you know, cleaning and whatever as you go along and sewing curtains and cushions and stuff. so to suddenly have nothing to do you're sitting waiting putting your thumbs waiting for people to turn up and the market to change you get bored so suddenly yeah. i am airbnb been it and i'm not bored anymore and the house is full and it's exactly what it should be it's just great
1: that's awesome um, and so let's just going back to the reno so yeah. i know you made you know cosmetically renovated it but what would you say the key Drivers were well, for increasing its value. The time I'd already because it's
0: my own home, I know when I sell it, there's no um, profit to pay tax uh, yeah. on any profit. But the house was effectively already financed to eighty percent, so there's not a lot of equity left in it to, to go and do something else. Yeah. So my driver was well, if my equity part of it is say twenty percent, and let's say that hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand or whatever if I can suddenly increase my equity 150 thousand to 250 thousand that's a massive increase on the money from doing a, a small we absolutely so that then gives me a hell of a lot more opportunity to take that equity into the next place to not only obviously purchase the property but then to be able to do the renovation on it so that was my my driver for it was I can take effectively 20 grams now create Hundred grand ready to do the next rental, which means I can do a more significant rental, and then that equity that I create from that one can go into the next one. Would you like to hear my overall game plan? Or I would love to hear your overall game plan. <laughs> so I worked out that I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to move into a certain suburb, and I wanted to do this in a way that made sense for me, then I'm going to find a property in the suburb, the geographic location that I eventually want to end up in. And in my case, it was, I looked around and really liked the suburb of Mount the down in Victoria. And those people who know Mount Elias will know it's pretty pricey. I didn't know that when I found it. I thought, oh, this is nice. I could live here. So my strategy then is, has become, that if I go and find myself a low, a lower value, do doesn't matter where it is, something in that suburb, a unit, a little house, whatever, that needs a lot of work or a lot of uh, TLC, that I can go into that market do my reno and then I'm buying and selling into the same market so if each time I'm even if I'm only making 50 grand but if I can make 100 grand and I can trade up over the next five to seven years in that market my end goal is to have one of those big like two million dollar mansions that's back 10 back from the beach but get into it when it's, again, needs a lot of um, work done to it and I can make that last on my lifelong project. So I can trade up, no tax on the way, just stamp duty, but you do that anyway if you're um, you're buying from the property. So
1: my plan. I love it and I love that. The thing about renovating is there are so many ways to get what you want. People, I think, tend to be quite sort of, single-visioned in, you know, like watch all the telly shows and think that the only way you can can make an income from renovating is by buying, renovating, and so flipping, mm. whereas there are just so many other yeah. ways that you can, yeah. you know, get yeah. to where you want to go. The end,
0: the end goal at the end of the day for all of us should be to have no mortgage, not on our personal home, to have nothing. Yeah. And so then your home becomes the asset you can borrow against if you need to, which is what you're doing with your line of credit with kids and that. And so if we get to the point where our homes have no mortgage, we've pretty much we've done a great job. Exactly. And,
1: you know, my idea is, well, we'll do that to renovate it and trade up as I go. So, and the good thing about it is that the market has come down a bit, so mm. the likelihood of getting a good buy yep. is yep. It's better. It's, yeah. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. But you've taken your game plan a tiny bit further, haven't you? We In terms like, of putting some structures in place. Oh, I've on.
0: got, um, yeah, that's right. So I've already gone to, so the other thing I know is you have to, and you've told us this again as well, but I didn't think about it really. You've said you've got to have a really good real estate agency to work with too. So I went round uh, Manteliza once I worked out, that was roughly where I wanted to be. And I started going to, to a few open, not to see the property, to check out the agent and see how they responded to me. And I found a really nice agent that just told it straight, it wasn't bullshitting or anything, had done Airbnb himself, had done Renault's himself, and then said to him, okay, I want to do effectively have a relationship with you over the next five, to seven years, as I'm doing this, here's what I want to do. I want you to be looking out for me for properties, and I want you to be the person themselves them for me. And there has to be a certain profit margin in it each time, otherwise I'm not interested because at the end of the day I want my big house to come back from the beach. So he's already got loads of opportunity for the houses, 10 back from the beach, and I'm not ready yet, so I need to go to the other end and start trading up. But he's been, he's been great, really good, really supportive. Hard to get in at the bottom end of the market, so he's really got his eyes peeled. And at the moment, all we're waiting for is my house to sell so we can uh, move into the next one. going. Yeah. Go. yeah.
1: And are you reasonably confident that will happen in the foreseeable future? Well, I think at the moment, the election is oh. um, putting a bit of a
0: cloud over everything because nobody wants to make a real move, unless you're a first-time buyer. Nobody wants to make a real move before the election because if Labour get in and house prices tumble, nobody wants to be have just signed a contract that suddenly they could have got it for 50 grand or 100 grand cheaper. So that's, that's all that's slowing the market at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not really that fast. I've, I've said I don't want to do opens over Easter anyway because I want yeah. to be able to take a few days off. And um, so it sort of suits anyway, because I think if there is an election mid-May, we should yeah. be and um, market should start to move again pretty much straight away
1: yeah yeah right and mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to ask you so i got a bit sidetracked before so in terms of the actual renovation what yeah. elements of it are actually increasing the value of it so what were the key things that right. you did yeah so yeah. the three to four bedrooms obviously significant. Yes. was significant
0: yeah it already two bathrooms so I could go to four bedrooms you know, big living space and that. So I could go to four bedrooms quite easily. Yeah. So that was mine. That was so mine. I think putting that wall up might have been one or two thousand dollars. So that was definitely massive, massive value. But I also took the movie room that was a six by four meter movie room and I chopped the end off. So it's four by four and went around all the movie yeah. shops first and measured their rooms to check that that was okay. It works a treat, it's so brilliant. And I used that extra two meters cut off to create a third toilet, so straight off sort of the living area, a little powder room, and a wine room. And so when people walk in, they sort of go into the door of the movie room and then turn around the corner and there's a wine room there. And it's sort of like the wow factor of the whole thing. They can see themselves sitting watching movies and getting up and making coffee or having cheese or, you know, drinking wine or whatever. And that's just, that was a real that was that was fun to do that. I would have never have thought of that before your workshop
1: either. The thing that I love about you is you actually do the groundwork. So you yeah. do the research and it makes such a difference because you know, just going to the extent of actually going and measuring up media rooms and making sure that you you haven't compromised the integrity yeah. of the room. And I think the wine room is I would buy a wine room. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: good. You know what, the really the scary thing is, I've got all this wine in there that I've
1: over the years people give
0: me gifts and presents, and they're really expensive bottles. Anyway, now that I've got this wine room set up and it's all on display, just over the last couple of weeks with my Airbnb guests, I'm going, oh, let's open a good bottle of wine tonight. Let's <laughs> oh, they must be in here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're starting to eat into the wine cellar, <laughs> but then that's what it's for. Because I'm so scared now that it might—I'll have it in twenty years' time. It'll just be vinegar. So exactly, you've yes. just
1: got it. You've got to enjoy yes. this stuff. You yeah. do. You do. <laughs> yes. No point in keeping it. Okay. And so you've sort of touched on this, but how has it impacted your life? uh oh, well, first of all, I'm in the space that I love. So
0: every like, I've got this massive outdoor deck. I've made it all beautiful, good furniture. There's about three different spaces out there you can sit and be peaceful or sit with people. I've got now my movie room to just go and sit and just be really calm watching whatever you want to watch. I've got like spaces around in my main living area next to the open fire. So there's so many spaces now to get away, to be on your own, or to just sit in the kitchen and mingle with everybody. Else. It's just... I don't know, it's made it into a home, to be honest, doing the rental. Yeah. Even, even though it looks like a display home, it, it, yeah. it's a home, it's usable. So that's the first thing. If you're not, you come home, you're happy. Um, everything yeah. you everything. And the, um, the second thing is I know it's, it's actually put the value of the home back to where it should be, which makes me happy that I've got it on the market. If it doesn't sell this time around, it will sell. Yeah. And in the meantime, because it now allows me to Airbnb so easily it's looking after itself anyway. So yeah. I, it's, it's really given me back my confidence, given me back yeah. a game plan. Yeah. I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's given me a, a future direction and a target. Yeah. 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 It's really good. Put me back in control, I think. Really. That's what it's done. Yeah. And that's, that's
1: what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Awesome. And um. So this question wasn't on the list, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. It's really unusual to have a financial planner who's mad about property.
0: It's funny. Somebody put a post up on LinkedIn the other day about this. And, um, and I was like, okay, I haven't seen that memo. Like what was that that financial planners don't talk about property? Because to me it's just a core part of what you do. And the way I explain it psychologically to, to clients is shares might get a better return on paper so slightly you know half a percent or whatever over time and they might actually earn more than property but you don't hear about share millionaires you hear about property millionaires mm-hmm. and psychologically when you have a property you don't sell it at the drop of a hat so if the market suddenly crashes you don't go out and quickly then sell my property because the market's crashing Whereas with shares, you do. And so yeah. you end up locking in losses all the time with shares, which you don't do with property. Yeah. So, uh, property is a long term investment, areas, it definitely is, but it's one of the ways you can make so much money. So, I've run workshops for first time owners to say you need to get on the property ladder, whatever you're doing. You need to have that as the core part of your strategy before you start anything else. And then you can throw all your extra money at paying off the mortgage. You shouldn't have debt, but you need to own at least the roof over your head as a minimum. Yeah, it's so it's so important. You go for credit, and people say you go to buy a car, and they say, oh, you've got a rates notice perfect, and They just give you whatever you want because you're a you're a credible human being, member of society because you've got property. Mm, yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely the core of what everybody should be doing. Yeah, and if you've got strategies where you can use that first term owners, um, first term owners, a uh, principal place of residence exemption for time. Yeah, I And mean, that's phenomenal that we can do that. You have yeah. to be careful if you're flipping every two months. You'd be running a business. You would, you would get, you know, sprung for treating yeah. it. And, um, but if you're doing it every like, you know, year or something, it's not. That's what you could do. You, you buy something that's not
1: big enough to move up. You buy you know. exactly. It's sort of like climbing the property ladder. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. And so finally, what would be your three biggest tips? for renovators or investors in terms
0: of renovating so yes. i would try and use the same traders to do more than one job so i used a different person to do to pull down the plaster board and put up the stud work uh to the person who then came and did the plastering and then uh, the person came the carpenter came back to actually do the fix but he wasn't that great it. and then i choose and obviously in the middle i've got plumbers the plumber did the tiling never use your plumber to do your tiling it's so expensive but the Tyler wouldn't turn up. <laughs> yeah. but, the, but the mess that was created because I had different tradesmen in and out who all didn't care about the previous person's work because that was their fault and then just made it work. So I would actually get fixed price quotes up front, which I didn't do because I thought it was such a minor renter, and I would try and use the same builder to organize the trading and get a fixed price quote off them. So even for the powder room, I should have really gone for one carpenter who also could control the plasterer, control the plumber, etc., and do the whole job. And then there'd be no fights between them. We wouldn't run over budget. with no know exactly So I think that's probably one of my biggest is try and keep the same traders as little as possible or have the same build or project manager and get fixed price quotes up front. You know, nothing slips, extra slips through. And one other tip I would give people, so I don't know if that was two or three there, but I'll give you another one. I got all of my furniture and artwork off Facebook Marketplace. I literally just hopped on there every week. Okay, I need a picture here, or I need a sofa that's going to fit this size or whatever. And, I'd, and something would come up, and it always came up at exactly the right time. And I'd drive there, and I'd go and sit. So I'd spend my weekends going and looking and picking it up. I met some fabulous people doing that and got the best bargains. It was so much fun. And then if you put something that didn't fit, we had extra, you just put it back on Marketplace and sold it to it was just It was just awesome. So I think you need to allow time for that. I know with your styling and that, you... Sort of go three weeks where to go and you get everything done. I probably couldn't never do that because it would take me at least three or four weeks just to pick up things off marketplace like every weekend.
1: But I just loved it. You know? I agree. I, marketplace does take time. You need to start ahead of time. Yeah, there was. It's interesting. I I was looking for these chairs, crossback chairs, because we're I'm doing up a uh, studio at the moment, and um, like new, they were about two hundred dollars each, and even second-hand I was looking at around about 130 yep. and then one morning I woke up and here's six of them for yeah. 100 and yep. so it was someone who was emptying out her granny's yep. house and I only needed four so I, saw, so I bought them for 100 sold the other two off for 150 yeah. so I made a <laughs> my, my children thought it was terrible that I should do that but yeah it was good
0: oh well yeah. I wanted um, a big table and chairs for myself, like that and I um, wanted 10 chairs and the table, but I couldn't find them both. And then these ten chairs, I just started searching for wicker and chairs, and ten of them came up. They were only selling the chairs. So I got them and then I thought, well what am I gonna do about a table? And like the price of the chairs was like, I don't know, four hundred and fifty, but they were really, really, really mint conditioned, wicker really solid, old fashioned wicker chairs. And then um because the chair legs have timber on them, I just found a timber table 100 bucks or 180 bucks or something massive 2.4 meter by something it's a treat you cannot tell they're not the same set and it was just it took a bit of looking around me. and when the stylist came I didn't end up using a stylist I did it all myself but I got one to come around and have a look to start with and the first thing she said to me as well obviously you don't need to change any of your furniture because you've got really quality pieces and I just sort of hid my you know face behind my hand because I was chuckling away that my quality pieces were all bought second hand and, you know, she's like, yes, it was leather characters and whatever, but they were all bought for $300 bucks or $500, bucks. not, you know, $5,000 a piece. So it was it was really, yeah, it was good. So that's my other tip is start, start early, work out your design and get on some marketplace and start, just collect. Because you can always resell if you buy something in an engine watches and then you get to the end of
1: that. Exactly. Just do it, yeah. You're a girl after my own heart. It actually yeah. makes me feel... So happy when I hear you talking about styling your own property. I know. And with such confidence. Um, because, yeah. So, and Mary, have we got some photos of your property? Um, I can, I'll send them to you. It's are because uh, it's on realestate.com. Yeah. The yeah. Page. Yeah. You know, I would love to put some in the yeah. show notes because I'm sure people would be interested to see the finished product. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It looks really good. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experience. It's been really lovely to have you. And just for those listening, Mary recently did a talk for us on buying property and also renovating in your self-managed super fund. And so we'll be releasing that as a podcast episode shortly too. So just keep your eye out for that. And so on that note, we will end this episode and thank you very much. Thank you, Bernadette. We take okay. care. Take care. Hello, it's Bernadette, and I'd like to remind you that the information in this podcast is my opinion only and is general in nature and should not be taken as personal advice. There are significant risks with buying and renovating property, and before you take any action, you should always seek independent advice that's relevant to your personal situation so that you maximise your return and you minimise your risk. The examples in this podcast are for illustrative purposes only. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.